When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Monday, November 18th. You, of course, hearing this on Tuesday, the 19th. And as we have done once before, this episode begins with a disclaimer. This is going to be our second explicit episode episode. So consider yourself warned from this point forward. There will be swearing, there will be cursing, there will be adult language. So if you do not want to hear that, we apologize for this disruption in your normal Cubs-related podcast consumption. Uh, If you have children in the room, anything like that, that you would not want cursing involved, please pause this episode now and we will resume our normal family-friendly recording on the very next episode. But as we told you the last time, every now and again, we're going to allow for these possibilities and we're going to throw this out there. So 
One more warning, there should be an E next to the episode in your podcast library feed as well. Uh, This is an explicit episode. There will be swearing. There will be cursing. So do as you need to in accordance with that warning. Uh, But from here on out, we're going to let her rip. All right? Uh, So... With that being said, some of you are probably wondering, I thought you guys were only doing that once, what has spurred this second cursing explicit episode? Why is this happening? And the reason that this is happening is is actually pretty simple, and I can sum it up pretty quickly. Uh, it's to allow Brendan and I to use our platform to be able to say, fuck Christian Yelich with little problem, and as many times as we want. Uh, this is a few days old at this point, but far be it from Brendan and I to not be petty enough to drag this on. And he hasn't apologized, so it's not going to die. We're going to bring this into next season. You can bet on that. But basically what happened is there was, uh, some video going around. Brett from Bleacher Nation, I think on Friday, I believe this was all going down, had posted some video, uh, because you Darvish had talked in the past about stepping off against Christian Yelich in a particular at-bat because he noticed his eyes were moving around. Now, it's very important to note that nowhere in these conversations, past or on Friday, did you Darvish accuse the Milwaukee Brewers of doing anything. In fact, he did the exact opposite. He said— And he prefaced everything, too, by the way. Yes. He said, in response to people, I am not saying the Brewers are doing anything. I don't think they're doing anything— I'm just telling you why I stepped off, which was because Yelich's eyes were moving around. So Brett was having some fun with some video. He was noting where his eyes were looking, and maybe that that would be where they were relaying signals. This all stems from the Astros and the absolute mess that they have created for themselves with their uh, signal stealing and banging on trash cans and all those other things that we will see how that plays out. But that might be bad news for the Houston Astros franchise, as it should be. Uh, But there was a report going around that the Astros, the Brewers, and the Rangers were the three most accused teams of illegally and electronically stealing signs. Very important to note the difference. Stealing signs on second, gamesmanship. Stealing signs with cameras, specifically illegal. There's a big difference here. So that's sort of the background to all of this. But what happened was you, Darvish, replied to someone who was interacting with Brett's video, uh, and he, again, just clarified... I noticed his eyes moving, so I stepped off. Again, he later added to multiple people that that didn't mean the Brewers were stealing signs. He wasn't accusing them of that, but that when he sees a guy's eyes moving around like that, sometimes he steps off and just resets, right? That's it. Yeah. So Christian Yelich, and the reason that we're here today, folks, uh, decided to get on Twitter And similar, you'd almost, you could convince me that whoever runs the at Brewers Twitter account had actually drafted this tweet because it was a a similar childish, uh, angst-ridden reply. But Christian Yelich decided to reply, and I quote, be better than this. Nobody needs help facing you. This is in response to— Christian Yelich. Fuck you. Yes, and again, I'm going to read Darvish's— tweet that that was quote tweeted by Yelich here. This is exactly what it says. Quote, I'm not sure what he is trying to do, but to be clear, his eyes move first. That's why I stepped off. That's all that you Darvish said. He goes on again to say, this is also a direct quote, but that not mean Brewers stealing 
signs. Again, English is not used first language. Cut him some slack there. So that's that's why we're here, because you, Darvish, as we've mentioned before, has ascended to the throne of being the king of, of Cubs Twitter and an all-around great guy, as we have learned throughout his career and certainly in this offseason. And I think I've said this before, something to this effect, paraphrased on this podcast several times. We we don't always get on the soapbox and, and stand up or, or express our homerism for certain players. And there are certain players on the, the Cubs that we would never defend for any reason. But for the most part, if you come at our guys, you can count on the Cubs-related podcast to grab our swords and our shields and go to battle for them. You do not talk to or about the Chicago Cubs and their players and get away with it. We're here to collect the receipts and to let you know how we feel about it. And like I said, I'll turn it over to you here, Brendan, and, and bring you into the show here. But the, the moral of the story here, and I, you know, again, the whole point of this is to allow us to say this as many times as possible. Fuck you, Christian Yelich. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck Simple is this? That. Like, yeah, you, Darvish, you. is not accusing anyone of anything. Be better than what? Than to say I'm not accusing them of anything. I'm just clarifying why I stepped off in this particular instance. And this is a guy who, you know, comes in second in the MVP voting, which, uh, you know, not that I'm here to pump up the Dodgers, but good because Yelich didn't deserve it. And he certainly doesn't with this shitty attitude that he apparently has. <laughs> but you, you was not doing anything to deserve this. And it's just, in, in my opinion, it's a bad look for a guy like Yelich to log on and try to drag somebody like this. And and again, uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Brendan, but one last thing for me, and also point out, like, you, Darvish, in 2019 versus the Milwaukee Brewers had an ERA that was under one. In his career against the Milwaukee Brewers, he has a 1.67 ERA. So Christian, nobody needs help facing you. It kind of sounds like you do, and it also kind of sounds like the rest of your team does. So not only is he being a petty asshole for no reason, but He's factually incorrect. So good on you, Christian Yelich. You're not the MVP of the National League, and you're not the MVP of Twitter either. You Darvish struck out 15 batters on the Brewers last year in 38 plate appearances. That's 40, almost 40% of the time a Milwaukee Brewer stepped up to the plate. Darvish struck him out. But this is just another example, Corey. Like, the Brewers are a bunch of scumbags, but the amount of shit that you Darvish gets on what seems to be like a bi-monthly basis is insane. And Yelich, yeah, like what kind of a response to that? The speed at which he responded and the tone that he responded with, it like it almost makes you think that he's guilty. So yeah, to respond like that and to protest to, too much. Yeah, and to to respond saying like no one needs help facing you, that is so impolite. So so impolite. And I say that because you Darvish is the most the most polite individual or among the most polite right. individuals in major league baseball. He would never do that. He's been deflecting blame 
or rather accepting blame. He's been deflecting criticisms and and a lot of bait from beat writers trying to amplify situations for years, including the LA Times. He was even asked, Corey, about that Houston Astros series in 2017 when he got smoked in the World Series. He was asked, hey, like, do you think that's why you were smoked? He said no. It was a learning experience going through that. And you Darver said if it were not for that experience, he would have not have grown. Th- that that is that is why you Darvish is such I think an influential piece for this Cubs team beyond just his pitching performance. And it's a sharp contrast when you look at someone like Christian Yelich, fuck you Yelich by the way, and you look at someone like you Darvish, it speaks to the character of these guys and what kind of goes around the team. I would never imagine, Corey, someone on the Cubs responding like that, especially to someone like you, Darvish. Yelich is an absolute scumbag. I did not realize how petty he was. He's been promoted, Corey, promoted to the enemy number one. The Milwaukee Brewers have been promoted to enemy number one. Yeah, and so there's a couple things, too, that I think were the reasons that this got everybody so riled up. And one was, like you sort of alluded to, Brendan, this was on the heels of all of this Astros stuff. You did a translation with a writer from the LA Times going back to that World Series in 2017 and his Game 7 loss and all that. And through all of these discussions, you has not once said ha 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 I'm vindicated or those cheating Astros like I knew it wasn't me the only thing he says is look we still lost the game I I need to accept that and grow from it and not look to blame other people and look to find excuses and all that he has been nothing but gracious and respectful through all of these reports that you wouldn't have to be like certain people I I don't think you would have to be if you had lost game seven of the world series and this massive cheating scandal is going on with the team that beat you he's been nothing but classy through the process and this was going on in the days leading up to and during Yelich yelling at him for no reason uh but Also, like, again, I'm not even here to dig into any conspiracy, right? But Yelich, first of all, like we both said, protested very quickly. Like, it's just not the response of someone who's super innocent, right? (laughs) You know, it it gives (laughs) off that vibe of very quickly and aggressively defensive. Um, But look, I, I, I don't think we need to get too deep in the weeds here, but Yelich's numbers since he went from Miami to Milwaukee, and especially when he plays at Wrigley Field or uh, Miller Park, are pretty interesting. Let's just put it that way, right? Like, this is a guy who struggled with, I think, off speed pitches and pitches elevated uh, fastballs in the zone when he was in Miami. Those problems aren't really there anymore when he plays in Milwaukee. He had some of the biggest differences in splits between home and road that we've seen. Like, I'm not saying that means there's something going on, but when your team is publicly accused of being at the top of this list that might be doing stuff behind the scenes that's not super legal, right, and your numbers are massively, like, eye-openingly better in your own ballpark, it's going to raise some eyebrows, man. Like, and again, Darvish wasn't the one, you know, throwing these accusations around, but Yelich may have to appreciate, like, dude, 
your numbers are massively different when you're not playing at Miller Park. You're an MVP at Miller Park. You are not anywhere else. Like, that's going to draw some attention, whether you like it or not. And when the team itself is accused of this, it's going to raise some eyebrows. And again, and, you know, we can keep going on this. I, I do want to read. We did ask for some of your replies to either you, Darvish, or Christian Yelich, so I am going to read those. Uh, but I, I just want to, like, throw out there, you cannot, you cannot be this aggressive in responding to something like this when you play on the same team as one of the biggest scumbags in the league, Ryan Braun. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Go back in the locker room, Christian. Let's save the lights. We don't need to do any electronic signaling. Just get the needle from your boy Ryan. You can cheat that way get too. Him out. It's the same thing, right? Like you can cheat yeah. just the same, grab the needle, stick it wherever, and you can cheat that way too. You have one of the biggest cheaters and pieces of human shit. In your locker room, Ryan Braun. There's no need to go to these great lengths and be involved in these MLB investigations or whatever. Just get the roids, get the needle from your boy Ryan. He'll be happy to help you, right? Like, but yeah. you you cannot be on your high horse about this stuff. How dare you? You know, you know, eat shit, you Darvish. You can't do it when you're friends with scumbag Ryan Braun. It's. I mean, you just have no credibility. You you have no credibility to be responding to things like this and then post posing for pictures with cheater and uh employment ruiner ryan braun like you just don't get to do it man you can't have your cake and eat it too in that regard again true character out he responded to darvish within 30 minutes of that tweet not only that but from the milwaukee brewers perspective from their pr side of it i doubt they want more attention from the media drawn towards the fact that they blatantly cheated i doubt that's what they want to see so not only is yelich being petty but he's also being dumb just complete and utter dumb so that's it's 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 beyond mind blowing that the, he even did that. And we can defend Darvish, and we're going to read some of these replies that were sent to us because they're fantastic. But at the end of the day, like that is just a dumb tweet by someone who really should have never even thought about sending something out like that. That's not how franchises should operate. It's not how the Cubs have ever operated. Yeah. And the Brewers always have this this sense of superiority or whatever they always start this type of shit a sense of superiority for doing jack shit it's so weird man i don't know and like to your point about the brewer's social media they're always adding you know at cubs and trying to start shit like come on like just stop well and and yeah and i mean like i'm sure there's there's a lot and there might be a lot of you listening going like why is this a big deal why are they talking about this and and really like what it comes down to again like i said like if people are going to start dragging members of the cubs we're going to throw out there like you know a defense of them or a fuck you to whoever's doing it but in addition to that like this isn't really something that happens that often like you don't often see players publicly saying things like this towards other players that are so antagonistic and you was completely innocent in the process so it's just like it's not every day that you see these guys logging on and just picking a guy on another team to just put on blast right so it sort of comes like 
uh, okay, is this what we're doing? Like, this is out there. Like, this is what we're doing. Like, all right, well, fuck you then, Christian. Like, the hell is this, man? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know where it comes from. And and again, like, you replied, like, easy, man. Like, I'm not saying you were stealing signs. Like, and he, he, he tweeted again later, like, I you guys all saw me say I'm not accusing you of stealing signs right like I didn't imagine that and everybody's like yeah man like I, I don't know what's wrong with Christian Yelich but he was probably mad about not winning the MVP I don't know <laughs> and to Darvish's credit to the perfect response if it were me because I am petty like that but if it were me I would have tweeted out my career numbers against the entire Brewers yeah. team and he didn't do that. So that, that again, that speaks well, to and, and the I mean, character beyond of that, Darvin, Like it's also just an an an, an offensive thing to say to to Darvish. Nobody needs help hitting you. Like you struggled in 2018, and and even to start 2019 for sure. But this is an extremely accomplished baseball player. Like yeah. you, you can't look at you, Darvish, in a vacuum of his injury riddled 2018 season with the Cubs. This is an extremely accomplished athlete uh, in on multiple continents like this is not just some guy like you Darvish is a big deal in baseball like saying nobody needs help hitting you is really not fair to say I mean there's a reason why he has almost three million Twitter followers people love the guy he's really respected on again multiple continents yeah you're right yeah it it just it wasn't good Uh, you know you isn't antagonizing anybody he's he's an all-around good guy who just doesn't to, doesn't deserve to be dragged through the mud like that. But, you know, there you go. And, uh, you know, look, it's it's not really surprising. You know, we learned a lot about Christian Yelich. Anthony Rizzo played on his bad ankle. We saw Chris Bryant playing through his knee. You know, and Christian Yelich didn't muster up the courage to play through his injury. And Trent Christian was out there in right field in the wild card game. And, you know, we all know how that ended. So, you, you can mm-hmm. read into all that however you want. But I do want to read some of your guys' replies. I threw out there on Twitter. Uh, I, I was, you know, uh, we, we don't have a call-in number or like a voicemail for the podcast. But if you wanted to throw out something that, you know, maybe we would try to read, uh, I'll read some and, and Brendan can read some others. If we, here's, here's two things here. One, if we don't read yours, I apologize. I did get a, a good bit of them. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily want to spend the whole podcast reading Twitter replies even though we just spent all of this podcast talking about Twitter replies, but whatever. Uh, and also, if we mispronounce your name, your handle, whatever it is, we apologize. That's uh, you know you how guy, yeah. I mean, you there. You know, there's already a, <laughs> you bet through at the least drill. a fifty percent chance Brendan and I would mispronounce your name if it was Will Smith. So uh, there's there's always the chance for that. Um, but yeah, uh, there was there was some good ones. I was definitely uh, laughing throughout this. Uh, but I'll I'll read a few and then I can throw it over to you, Brendan. You can pick some others. Uh, uh, this one from at Paul Slobo seven eleven. He said before tonight, I didn't dislike Yelich to the to the level of someone like Yachty or Braun. He's entering that realm after this exchange with you. Unnecessary when you has been nothing but classy during this process. Just another reason to hate the Brewers. This one from Alex at Shy Fan Pat one. You Darvish is going to throw a perfect game in 2020, and it's going to be great. This one from Cubs Insider's own Ryan Tomir. This was in response to you Darvish saying, like, what the hell? Like, why is this guy doing this to me? And Ryan said, you, I said that Christian Yelich was hot, and I apologize and retract that. <laughs> you are hot, and I love you. We love that one, Ryan. 
This one from friend of the podcast, D West Nine Cubs. You Darvish is the king. He will not be slandered. Christian Yelich is a cheating bastard, and he can eat shit. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good I, one. I agree with that. That is yeah. a good one. Uh, this one from at Boffle Spoffle. You is witty, classy, funny. He blames no one but himself, but if you go at him, he'll respond. Yelich just lost the MVP and is now sour, belligerent, and dare I say, boring. Guess his nice guy rep was a fake. This one from at fave MLB name. The Brewers feature Josh Hader, Ryan Braun, and newly crowned jerk Yelich. Are they the most despicable team in the NL now, or do the cards still hold the title? That is something we've debated on this podcast a lot, and it really changes by the day. I would say probably right now, as you said, Brendan, they are enemy number one. I don't, I, I don't really know how they no wouldn't be uh, unless Matt Carpenter decides to log on and start throwing shit on Twitter. I, I, you know, I think at least for the off season, it's it's probably going to be the Brewers. So, Brendan, I, I don't know if you had any favorites from this thread. Uh, let me read one more. This is from uh, at my name is Brian J, and he simply just said, "Allow me." Fuck Christian Yelich, followed by That's, two yeah. middle finger emojis. So those are, those were some of my favorites, but there's a lot in here. So feel free to dig in there, Brendan. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah, some other good ones, too. Um, we have Thomas Foth. And if I repeat what you just said, you know, my bad. But Thomas Foth said, quote, I'm the biggest hobby fan in the universe. So the Yelich stealing his MVP in the second half hurt enough. But this man has gone too far now. Yelich equal bad. Darvish equal God. Some other good ones from Jason Perini. He said, quote, attacking you, Darvish, is the equivalent of, t- uh, of attacking a puppy. He's adorable, entertaining, pure-hearted, and loyal. In conclusion, fuck Christian Yelich. That's another good one. And let's see, another one from just Tyler, who is from the UK. Tyler said, quote, I speak for all of the UK when I say Christian Yelich is a garbage piece of scum and you <laughs> Darvish is a god playing baseball amongst men. Tyler, yes, I agree. What else do we have here? Glass Cow said, quote, I guess when you hang out with a scumbag like Braun long enough, you also become a piece of absolute shit. Friend of the program, Glass Cow. Uh, Another good one. I think this is my last one. I think I covered most of them, but from fave MLB player name, longtime listener of the podcast, one of the oldest, longest listeners, if I remember, Uh, quote, Christian Yelich is an Egletonian, end quote. Ooh, I gotta harsh. say, that is 
that is that is probably the harshest thing I've ever heard about any Milwaukee Brewer, and I cannot agree more. That is uh, that is a spectacular tweet right there. Yeah. I think that's all I have. Anything else on? I your end? think that about covers it. Uh, a okay. lot of them were sort of in that same vein. So yeah, uh, always good to get you guys on the air in that way. Uh, but we appreciate those replies and. That's uh, about what we got here. I mean, look, like, again, like, obviously, this is, you know, overall pretty innocuous stuff, assuming that you, Darvish, doesn't internalize this and it makes him miserable. Then it's not so innocuous. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just stuff on Twitter. But, it, you know, it, it felt uh, pretty unnecessary. It's just like you really didn't deserve to be trashed like that. And, you know, of course, you have so many uh, shitty outlets that, that run with Christian Yelich roasts you, Darvish. He bodied you, Darvish. Oh, and it's on. like if yeah. you didn't use any context for this particular thing, then, yeah, I guess that's what happened. But that's not really what happened. Uh, you was just being nice and responding to someone and specifically saying that's not what he was saying and Christian just wasn't (laughs) having it. So there you go. And I mean, it's been several days now, so I don't think we're going to get a retraction from Christian or an apology. So it's still up there right uh, on his timeline. He's owning it. the world that we live with, that that is uh, how it's going to go. And uh, we're not going to forget that, Christian, I can assure you. It'll, It'll be interesting to see as we go into the next season, like obviously we know that Ryan Braun gets rained in booze when he's at Wrigley Field. And I would think that Christian Yelich has uh, some, you know, he's he's going to be competing in that regard when they come back to Wrigley Field. Because I, I don't think that a lot of Cubs fans are going to forget this. Um, so yeah. Uh, and again, like I, I'm, I'm pretty cool if Christian, like he, I, I don't want him to look into the notion, like I would like him to keep thinking that they don't need any help hitting you Darvish because again like that's just way inaccurate um so don't look into that Christian if you're listening don't look into that don't do anything to improve what you're doing against you Darvish because you guys have been really terrible uh, throughout you's career uh so let's just keep it that way you can keep thinking that nobody needs help hitting you Darvish because that's going to be better for you and better for the Cubs you why you not Y-O-U as in Christian. So uh, that's what we got on that. Again, I'll, I'll end with a hearty fuck Christian Yelich. Fuck out of here with that attitude, man. I mean, what yep, bullshit. Fuck you. I mean, yep. just going on Twitter to be an asshole. It's like, all right, fine, deal, duly noted. We'll remember that. Anyway, we do have some actual Cubs stuff to discuss. I'm not sure how much cursing is going to go on at this point. Uh, towards the end, it's going to pick up again based on the topic. But for this segment, <laughs> I'm not really sure it's going to be necessary. Uh, I can shoehorn you it never in know. there. You, yeah, I mean, I'm always capable. But there have been some reports. I think the, the main report came from uh, Gordon Whitmire of the Chicago Sun-Times that the Cubs have begun engaging in negotiations with one Javier Baez for a contract extension. I don't think we have a lot in the way of details to follow that, what length, what terms, anything like that that they're looking at. But that's a, a big deal. And, and you know, this is obviously something that we know, we knew that they could do, that they could look into, and they probably kicked the idea around. But I think this is really the first time we've heard these conversations are happening with Javi Baez. So, Brendan, I think just your initial thoughts on that and, and you know, any um, deeper reads onto what might be going on here. Yeah, it's very easy to imagine and be excited or maybe even be a little bit scared about what an extension looks like. What I will say is with Javi, the fact that he played 
defense at shortstop so well last year. For me, it gives me a lot of confidence in extending him because he was one of the best defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball last year. He had a UZR per 150 chances of almost 13. That is in the same tier as many former gold glove shortstops. So even if Javi's bat goes back to league average as he ages, if he can sustain that type of defensive value, he's more than likely going to be worth what an imagined contract extension is. I want to see more extension talk in addition to Javi, you know, of course, looking at KB, but it is good to finally hear from the front office or those connected with the front office and Javi that this is a legitimate possibility that could be done hopefully this offseason because it's, it's, it's been a while. What was the last like big extension we've heard? It must have been Rizzo a few years ago, right? So to see other guys get extended from this core has been sorely missing. So, I mean, that's my, that's my reaction. If you were to tell me two years ago that Javi was being in you know, negotiation talks to be extended, I would have been excited. But the fact that he's transformed himself both offensively and for me, especially defensively at multiple positions, showing finally what his capability is at shortstop, that's a big deal for me for my comfort level and extending him. Yeah, I think we agree on that. I, I'm with you. He's not the only person that I would like to see extended, but he's one of those guys where it's difficult to envision the Cubs without him right and and I think that those are the guys you you have to try to keep I mean not if they're they're gonna if they're not going to contribute on the field but he obviously contributes on the field and he just is such a an important part of this culture and this team and this franchise right now that I think he's one of those guys you have to look at keeping him in a Cubs uniform for as long as you possibly can and I think you you look further, and I don't know exactly like what terms or anything they they might be looking at. Um, but perhaps if you engage in these discussions now, you know we've heard all sorts of things about the payroll going forward and things like that. If there is a way to soften things in the immediate future and maybe reward Javi further down the line, or whatever you need to do to kind of massage, we keep hearing about how the Cubs are going to need to be creative. Theo is going to need to be creative. That's potentially one of the ways that you can do it. If you're extending guys long term, you can manipulate the money, move it around, and try to make it work for you in whatever way you need it to. I'm not even sure what they're looking at, right? We don't really know. But if you can try to do that, then great. You keep Javi, you can maybe try to make things easier for yourself going forward based on how you structure the money, the years, whatever it might be, the options, etc. Who knows, right? Um, but I, I do think that Javi's a guy that you you have to look to keep on this roster. I, I think, you know, him and Rizzo probably more than anybody else, like if not, not in terms of how good they are on the field, but just in terms of like, if you traded either of those guys or either of those guys left in free agency, that is a massive change to the the face of the team, the feel of this team, and, and just the overall culture of who the Chicago Cubs are right now. And that in and of itself is not a reason to keep someone, but obviously Javi's performance on the field, I think, warrants that as well. And in addition to the way we talk about Wilson Contreras and certainly other guys, not just those two, but Javi will do anything for this team. 
And, uh, you know, I think at some point you have to reward him for his performance and, again, just how much he means to this team. But it's good to hear that these discussions are going on because I think if you are concerned about the Cubs' payroll and whether they're going to be spending on big free agents, whether they're going to have to cut payroll, whatever it is, it's good to hear that one of their priorities seems to be keeping some of these guys, right? Because there's, you know, certainly scenarios where they do none of that, right? They don't spend any money, they cut payroll, and they let these guys go in a couple years. Like, who knows what's going on behind the scenes? So at least we're hearing that they do have an eye on this. They are starting these negotiations. And again, hopefully they can maneuver things to benefit themselves in any any way that they can. But I, I was glad to hear this news. And, you know, Javi's one of those guys that I, I think you would like to see playing as a Cub for his entire career. I think he he just falls in line with, there, there's a few guys on this team where it would just make me sick to my stomach to see him playing for somebody else. Uh, and I, I don't really want to have to confront that. Um, and yeah, I, you know, look, obviously 2019, he dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, 2018 was, was a tough season to replicate, but this guy has, has been absolutely amazing for the Cubs. He's one of the faces. Uh, you know, I, I would probably defer to Rizzo on that, but you could certainly make a very strong argument. Yeah, I mean, from Jersey sales, yeah, he's the number one. Yeah, you could just make an argument that it's hobby. I certainly wouldn't uh, get mad at you about that. And uh, I think he's got to be a Cub. And, and you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very difficult, especially at a premium position like shortstop. It's, it's, it's always difficult to kind of figure out where you're going to get these pieces in the future going forward and, and how the chessboard really works. It's a lot easier when you can just slot Javi in it short and build around that. Yeah. And I think a, a recent template too for what an extension might look like, we can go look at Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox, who got a six-year, $120 million extension, $20 million per year. And Comparing what those two shortstops have done, Bogarts has been more valuable over the past four years. Not a shot at Javi. Those are both you know, some of the most premier shortstops and players in Major League Baseball. But you look at what Bogarts has done. He's been on the field consistently even before 2015 and 2014. So you can make the argument that Javi may not even make as much as Xander Bogarts. Like it's very possible, I think, that the range that we see in an extension is heavily incentive loaded. I, I will say there is a little, it's not even hesitation, because I, I, I feel as if the Cubs will handle this appropriately, but looking at Javi's profile, there are some signs where it's like, eh, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to age that well. And I'll speak on this only because it, it, I'm going to highlight his defense to counteract that. But Javi's profile, it, it is pretty dangerous. I mean, he still swings outside the strike zone more than like 95% of Major League Baseball. His contact rate is in the bottom 5% of Major League Baseball again. But he has this weird way of going in extremes, even in you know 0-2 strike situations. He provides way more value than your average baseball player. So I say that one to 
kind of give myself ease because despite those traits, he still somehow performs in weird situations like those two strike accounts. I mean, we've seen in years past in the playoffs against Hunter Strickland, you know, all throughout the playoffs against the Dodgers and the Indians, he had some very clutch moments with two strikes. And the fact that his defense has been so good at shortstop for a larger sample now, that gives me more ease. So point being, I can see Javi aging offensively a little bit poor, but he is weird. He does do weird things. He is El Mago for a reason, and maybe he'll defy those aging curves. But at the very least, I'm confident that if he's extended, we're getting a quality defender at shortstop. If he goes into age 34, age 35, you move him over to the second base, you move him over to the third base, and like he's done throughout his career, he'll be a well above top-tier defender at those positions, which for that price tag, let's say it is six years, you know, one, uh, 180 or, or rather, uh, you know, 130 or whatever it ends up being. I'm losing my math here. You get what I'm saying. It should be worth it. And I think at the very least, getting his extension done now gives comfort and clarity of what the Cubs can do with the rest of their guys. Getting this piece out of the way is going to open up some avenues, some maybe unforeseen uh, financial flexibility that they thought they didn't have before extending Javi. So that that's, for me, going to be the most important part, is what the effect of Javi's extension will look like for other players like Chris Bryant and like Wilson Contreras and other guys in the team as well. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I know what you mean. I, I think it's basically, because especially the way we started talking about it, I, I think it's always fair to point out, like extending Javi, it's not necessarily a slam dunk right? It's not a slam dunk with really any of these guys, right? Like even Chris Bryant, who you and I constantly talk about is one of the best players and underrated, blah, blah, blah. He's been hurt a good bit. Like nothing is a slam dunk. And I think it's at least fair to look at Javi objectively and not just always be on this El Mago, El Mago, El Mago, right? Like, but I I do think it's important and I would prefer the Cubs do it. You know, even if down the road, uh, it's, you know, something we are dealing with and it's not perfect. I think that's fine. And I think, again, especially for someone of his stature in the organization, it's it's important. Stuff like that matters. Uh, it's, you know, not always about numbers and, you know, things like that. So anyway, uh, moving on to where I think the cursing is, is going to come back in. I, I want to pull up an article here from The Athletic uh, that Sahadev Sharma wrote. Uh, we, we always recommend that Sahadev is one of the best on the Cubs beat, and we would certainly recommend uh, you reading their stuff over the at The Athletic. And he was talking about an unlikely reunion with Nicholas Castellanos. Doesn't sound like something that is going to happen, uh, but we'll see. But nobody within the Cubs beat writer network or anything like that seems particularly confident that that's going to happen. Uh, and so he got, after talking about how it was unlikely that Castellanos would return, he talked about center field. And uh, he uses a quote here from Theo, and Theo said, quote, that's certainly an area where we're looking to improve our performance, whether it's through players existing on the roster or from outside. There is a corresponding impact, especially defensively. Who you have playing center affects the other two outfielders a little bit, and it affects your pitching staff. So that that's something he said on that. And this is from Sahadev. So this is is just Sahadev's read on things. There's obviously nothing official, but this is the subject matter that we're going to be discussing. Uh, and Sahadev says, 
Albert Almora Jr. won't go into 2020 as the starter in center, but there is still a strong possibility he remains with the organization. After a dreadful 2019 that followed a brutal second half of 2018, uh, always good when the author has to look up a synonym for dreadful, right? Like to avoid <laughs> to avoid describing it the same way. Never good. Uh, he goes on to say Almora has little to no value on the trade market. Almora's offensive numbers have been among the worst in baseball over the last year and a half. We've told you that many, many times. Uh, And in 2019, advanced metrics actually rated him as a below average defender. That was something that came out, I think, in the last uh, few weeks, that that the defensive metrics for the year did rate him as a, a negative defender on the year, which I think probably would have aligned with your eye test. He didn't seem as good as he had in past years. But that brings us to the subject matter at hand. Albert Almora Jr., I got to be honest with you, Brendan, like I understand the nuance of it and we'll get into it. But when I read that, when I read that he's not going to be the starter, but that he'll probably remain with the organization, I got pissed. I, I I can't shake it, man. That's fine. It's okay. Again, to be I understand off at that. the nuance and there's plenty of it. And I'm not necessarily saying release him, cut him, get him out of the organization. But dude, he cannot begin anywhere near the Major League Baseball team. And and I'll, I'll go through this rant really quickly, and then you can jump into the nuance, which I assume is what you want to do. Like, he, as Sahadev points out, and as you and I have pointed out many times, was one of the worst hitters in baseball in the second half of 2018. He spent all of 2019 being one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. He rated as a negative defender. Okay, this was a third place team in 2018, excuse me, uh, 2019. All these years blend together, except for 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. Won the World Series, correct. Yes, they did. Yep. So this was a third place team last year. Okay, you trailed the Cardinals and the Brewers. You let both of those dog shit franchises finish ahead of you and get in the playoffs. You almost, even though they folded like a napkin, in the championship series, you almost let the Cardinals go to the World Series because you couldn't deal with them in the regular season. You cannot roster players like this. It's laughable that that would even be considered. He was one of the worst, no hyperbole, one of the worst fucking hitters in the league, Brendan. And the one thing that all of his defenders, as insane as it may be, always point to is his defense. What about the diving plays? Blah, blah, fucking blah. He rated as a negative defender. He is slow as shit, okay? He dives at balls that he definitely does not have to dive at, okay? I don't hate the guy. He is a wonderful person. Last year in 2019, he went through a horrible incident in Houston, with that little girl getting hit by the foul ball, and I make no claim to know how that affects a person, right? And he is way stronger than me to have even stayed on the field for that game, let alone continued with a Major League Baseball season, okay? So this is nothing to do with him as a person. But when you finish in third place and you have the second highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball, you can not have one of the worst hitters in all of baseball on your fucking roster. The team needs to get better. And 
starting the season with Almora. I don't care if he hits 700 in spring training. Who gives a shit? This guy has had a year and a half of being god-fucking-awful, Brendan. You finished in third place. I thought we were done doing the same thing. Didn't Theo say in that end-of-season presser that we committed to this core a little too much? We bet on certain guys a little too much, and we rode it a little too far? At what point does it stop? I mean, it really is like that quote, like, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like, don't fucking tell me that the people in this organization are like the the texters to the score, and they're, he just needs more playing time. He just needs more time. He doesn't need any more time. He fucking sucks. All right? If you want to put him in AAA, let him work on some stuff, see if he can make some adjustments, fine. Okay, he was a first round pick. He's Theo's first pick. I get the attachment to him. Again, a wonderful human being. I love the guy, but he is a bad baseball player, and the Cubs don't have time for this. This is a third place team, Brendan. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So, what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, And you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. (laughs) Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. There's no time for this. Go ahead. We can get into the nuance of it, but I think it's pretty clear. He has two minor league options left, according to Fangraphs. What makes the most sense is to have him go work on things in AAA. The sum of his defense, this is a really hot topic I see a lot of people on Twitter always engage in. There are so many different metrics out there for defense, but three of the most commonly used ones, in addition to StackCast, are the Sabre Defensive Index, Defensive Runs Saved is the second one, and then UZR, Corey. All three, below average. The Sabre Defensive Index, he was the second worst defensive center fielder in Major League Baseball last year. He just hasn't been good. There are some other metrics that suggest maybe he's not as bad. Like if we look at outs above average, he's almost league average, which again, you know, that's okay. But when we're talking about a player whose value is always perceived to be tied to his defense, that's that's not good. He's one of the worst outfielders in Major League Baseball on balls hit behind him. Despite all those pretty plays we see, all those robbed home runs, Still, he rates from that perspective as one of the worst uh, defensive center fielders in the league. And his reaction time is basically league average and all of that. His speed, again, basically league average. He's not someone whose game is really tied to his defense. He's just right now not not that good. And his offense, yeah, like it's it's it was brutal, man. I mean, last year he had a WRC plus of 64, okay? He batted 236 with only 12 home runs. His isolated power was 145. All of these, Corey, in that type of plate appearance sample is far below 
league average. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Even Steamer's projections for 2020 rate Almora to be essentially the same offensive guy next year. They rate him to be an 80 WRC plus guy. He's a career 87 WRC plus guy. And so this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the guy who, yeah, was a former first round draft because the potential is there. And and to be frank, like I still think from a purely aesthetic or absolute, you know, potential point of view, yeah, maybe there's still something is there. He is 25. He still shows some cases of potentially having more power. I I get it. But the fact remains is it's it's beyond waiting at this point. They have to act now. If they want to keep him in the organization, it has to be, no doubt about it, at AAA. Corey, if he's on the 25-man come 2020, unacceptable. That that just that yeah. just cannot happen. To rely on Almora as possibly a depth piece would be a huge... It's insane. A, a huge mistake. It's the same problem they had going into 2019, especially when you compound Ian Happ's demotion at the start of this season. They have to improve their depth. I have no idea how they do this, but they have got to improve that depth. And across the diamond, the one area that needs the most depth is that outfield. Can you rely on an aging Jason Hayward to play center field? The answer is No, because even Hayward in center field, guess what? Not that good defensively. He's a right field defensive guy first. So if you have to force Hayward to even play center field, you're not even going to get above league average value. You may not even get league average value. When by doing that, you're you're losing the value that Hayward gives you. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's they, they need to figure out their off-field depth issue. It's yeah. this is not a secret. I mean, this is a broken record at this point. But the point is, if they bring back Almora. If he's in that dugout come opening day, something went wrong. Something did not go according to plan. And look, like part of this, again, is based on the performance, but it's also the profile. All of this matters, right? So like I said, I'm not advocating that they cut him or get rid of him and wash their hands of him. They don't have to do that, but he cannot be on the roster if he is the same player right? Yeah. Players can change. We've, we've seen this all the time. I'm not suggesting that he can. I don't believe that he can. But if he were on the roster, he would have to be a different player. The re- Part of the reason, in addition to the numbers that I rail on this topic so much, right, is he doesn't have the profile of a successful Major League Baseball player in 2019. That's what always was so bothersome about it for me, is that the results were like, duh, Right? right? He's slow, he pounds the ball on the ground, and he is one of the least patient players in Major League Baseball. To add to that, Javi Baez, his outside the zone swing rate last year, and even the last like three years combined, an average of 41.5%. Almora last year, Corey, and in 2018, 41.2%, right. 41.9%. So we're talking about a guy who has just as an aggressive plate approach is Javi Baez with none of the skills any of the power exactly or speed right yeah so that that's the problem that's what was always so annoying for me is that the results that we saw in the second half of 2018 continuing in and through 2019 were like yeah duh like (laughs) all the guy does is hit the ball on the ground and he isn't fast enough to beat anything out 
right? So what do you think is going to happen? He can't take walks, and he doesn't see any pitches. So what is the value here, right? And take away the juiced ball, which everyone was playing with. It's not just Almora, but he's probably not hitting 10 home runs ever again in his career if they're using a normal baseball, right? That's like, a good point. Yeah. It just it just doesn't work. So if he's on the team, he better be a different player. If he comes in to spring training and he's worked with Justin Stone and Anthony Iaposi and he's Mr. Line Drives all of a sudden. It has to be an extreme. Yeah, then like, okay. It has to be obvious. Yeah, you can try that out, right? But if he is the same person chasing pitches, beating the ball into the ground, like, then what are you doing? And, Corey, and again, that can't affect I, your offseason plans. Like, right. You yeah, you can't, can't bank on that. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean. Like, yeah, right. maybe Amora does come back in February you and he looks different, yeah. but you're not going to be able to know that, guess what, until late February. You have to make these decisions three months ahead of time. Like right now, you have to make the decision, will Elmore be on the opening day roster? You have to have a likelihood, a probability of that happening. And right now, you can't make any confident idea that he's going to change with Justin Stone. You have to assume that, yeah, you're going to put him in AAA. That's just how it's going to work. Yeah. And and again, like I, I do want to clarify, like this is just what came up, so we ended up talking about it. There's plenty of problems with this team. Albert Almora is far from the number one issue with the Cubs or why they didn't have success, so don't read it that way. It's just there's not a lot of news at this point in the offseason, and that was one of the bits that Sahadev was talking about that was at least noteworthy, right? But I do want to clarify why, again, and and it's sort of, it all relates, right? Like, the reason that we get so fired up about this is, again, this was a third-place team, guys. Like, we, I think as a fan base, we can, I always say, like, 2018 happens. They won 95 games. They got bested by a team that went on a hell of a run in September, right? Shit happens, Okay. Like, just ask the 2015 Cubs or Pirates, right? They both won a ton of games and finished in second and third, respectively, right? But 2019, the Cubs were not good. They had a lot of flaws going into that season, and those flaws cost them the season, right? This is a team that has a payroll annually over $200 million, some of the most expensive tickets in sports. Like, there comes a point where we can't just sit here and be all casual about it. If your goal is for this team to be successful and for this team to win championships, we have to be hard on them sometimes. And so, like I said, this isn't an opportunity to dog Almora, right? It's an opportunity to say, that isn't fucking good enough, okay? (laughs) You cannot go into the season saying, well, yeah, he was one of the worst hitters in the league for a year and a half, and And that defense isn't any good, even though that's supposed to be the the silver lining. But what are we going to do, right? It's not fucking good enough. Well, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's got to be something else, right? Like, unless everyone in this organization is content being a third-place team, like, it's not fucking good enough. Okay, so that's why we rail on this. We could pick any number of issues. You know, I I, I think uh, we, we've seen people, you know, we, we, we talk about Addison Russell a lot. His off-the-field issues and his lack of development at all as a baseball player has done irreparable damage 
to this franchise. So it's not just El Moro. We can pick different guys, right? Bringing in these dumpster fires of pitchers like Derek Holland and these other pieces of shit that they throw in the bullpen. <laughs> this all affects it. It's not just El Moro. I, I, I'm saying all of this because I don't want it to just be like, let's pile on El Moro because we talked about him a lot in the the regular season. We talked about Descalso and like that kind of a signing. Like there's a reason that we rail on this stuff because it's not good enough. And if we don't hold them to a higher standard or at least ask more of them, this is what you get. They went into the season with these risks and with these flaws and they paid for it and we all paid for it, right? And I don't want to watch a third place team again in 2020. I don't want to pay for my season tickets to watch a team not make the playoffs and to lose all these games in September and blow the fucking wild card in the division. I That's not what I'm here for, all right? I'm here to watch the Chicago Cubs win games and try to win another championship. So we have to be hard on these issues because if we just say whatever, then this is what we're going to get. It, we can't let it be good enough as a fan base. If it's good enough for ownership and they don't want to spend money or whatever, that there's nothing we can do about that right? Like they're going to yeah. do whatever they're going to do. It's out of our control. But we can definitely get on our, you know, loosely listen to podcasts and swear and complain about it. And that's <laughs> what I'm going to do, you guys. All right. So I'm just saying, I, I, I brought up those other examples. Like I, I don't want to pile on Elmore. I, I feel like we do it a lot and it's not really my intention, but there's just certain things on this it's team what, that aren't good what enough. the decision yeah. represents. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, where you're, yeah. that's where you're coming from. And I'm, I'm with you. Like in... In a perfect world, what Almora could have been, or maybe what he'll end up being if he's you know, fortunate or if we're fortunate, it makes sense. Almora was supposed to be a guy with stellar defense, a top-tier defender, someone who could go gap to, uh, gap to gap, someone who could have a high contact rate. That is exactly the type of outfielder the Cubs are trying to acquire whether it's through Akiyama, whether it's through a trade elsewhere, even trading Wilson Contreras for an outfielder, that is exactly the type of target that should be set. Unfortunately, in what was it, four years now, it hasn't worked out. And it sucks because I do genuinely like Albert Almora. I don't think there's any question whatsoever about his character, about his effort, about just who the person he is. I mean, we've heard about his makeup since he was drafted around 2012. We know what type of guy he is. And maybe those are the type of traits that ultimately will make him prevail and get better and adapt. But right now, where the Cubs are with this financial inflexibility, it's it's an issue. And to count on him in 2020, you can't whatsoever. You cannot count on Almora being anything more than even a fourth or fifth, a fifth outfielder at best. I'm not going to say fourth outfielder. Going into spring training, he cannot be slotted in as a realistic option. He can force himself in there, no doubt about it. He can force himself in there if he plays well and he showcases. Yeah, he made drastic uh, differences in this game, but right now you have to operate in this offseason. The owner meetings are coming up. The winter meetings are less than a month away. You have to operate like he's not part of the squad. It sucks. I get it. I like Almora. I know a lot of fans love Almora. I totally understand, but this is the reality of the situation, I think. Yeah, I think that's 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 all there is. I, I, and again, it's very rare that like a blurb from an author 
gets me so angry, especially in the offseason, because again, it was just like Sahadev's read on the situation, but Sahadev is a smart guy, and I don't think he would have said that if he didn't believe that that's what was going to happen. Uh, and I'm just reading this going, he, they better fucking not, man. Like, come <laughs> on, dude. Like, again, yeah. like, there's no, there's no hyperbole. Like, he was literally one of the worst hitters in the league. It's not like he was in the middle of the pack or anything. Like, bottom, bottom, Can bottom, I- bottom. Can I ask like, you a legitimate, a legitimate question? And you haven't sure. thought about this, but I'm thinking about it as we talk right now. He is due in arbitration for $1 million in a few weeks. I think the, the non-tender deadline is December 2nd. Yeah, December 2nd. $1 million, okay? You can offer an arb, uh, that $1 million arbitration and settle somewhere around there, and you still have those $2 million or those two minor league options. Are you comfortable committing one million dollars or one and a half million dollars, whatever it ends up being for albert almora or would you rather non-tender him risk him going elsewhere and losing the possibility of even some type of rare development like what do you like what would you rather see would you rather the cubs give so, him that extension or just non-tender him so i'm fine with it except that if we are to believe everything about the payroll and you know certainly the way that things were phrased last year um if if one million dollars is actually a big deal to them then no I don't want to spend it on one of the worst hitters in baseball Brendan uh but if it's not that big of a deal then I think it's fine right but we heard last year that like the what two and a half per year that they gave to Descalso was like you know they had to like move some things around like we that's what we were hearing that was the narrative about the Cubs last offseason with the budget so if that's what we're talking about then no how could you justify using one of the few millions that you may have to do that yeah yeah that's, that, I mean, that's where I would be I, at. yeah I, I I get it I, I still have a hard time believing that one million dollars so do i but i'm gonna make that much that's all i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah. i think right now you you have you have to give him that one million dollar uh one million uh dollar arbitration settlement you just kind of have to do it but it doesn't mean that doing so guarantees him a spot it just guarantees the cubs the possibility despite how rare it is for them to maximize Almora. And for, for for that, I can sort of get behind. I'm not advocating for it, but I do see a point in getting new eyes, new coaches, whatever. They're crazily changing yeah. their infrastructure. I can see it being good. Yeah, so uh, we're going to end on a, a more wholesome note. Uh, and I do not sure that there's going to be any swearing here, but I mean, you never know. Uh, Anthony Rizzo got a dog, and this is big news, folks. Big news. Uh, Kevin a Rizzo, dog, yeah, yeah. It's it's a dachshund, and yep. his name is Kevin, which is Kevin. amazing. And Anthony debuted him to the world uh, by dressing him in a like a cowboy Woody hat, and you know sitting him with a bunch of like plush toy story toys uh and (laughs) i i'm i'm struggling for words i I think a little bit because it's just it was so damn cute and i you know i i mean this but like any child of rizzo's i mean i i would have to take a bullet for i mean there's just no choice like i i saw kevin rizzo in these pictures and i was like well 
I would die for this dog. I mean, Kevin just, Rizzo has to be out. He has to be out on spring training in Sloan Park throughout yes. throughout spring training. Absolutely. It has to happen. I don't yeah. give him a job. I know uh, the disgusting Milwaukee Brewers had that rescue dog. That was that was kind of cute when they did that. Give him a role. I don't think dachshunds are big enough to carry a bat or anything like that. But oh, they're kind of strong dogs, believe it or not. You know, and you you can find you can find something for him yes, to do. Yes. Yeah. Have him carry around a mini rake. Have him go uh, rake we, up the, the infield. The moral of the story is that we need Kevin Rizzo content. I don't care. I, lo- what I love it the is. name too. Why do you think he named him Kevin? I don't know. I tried <laughs> I to think about that, and there was like was not necessarily yeah anything obvious. Uh, I, you know, obviously, if he had named it certain things, it would have been a little easier. Would have been funny if he had named it like Kyle, but but he doesn't tell anybody whether it's uh, Schwarber or Hendricks or it's Chris. Just Kyle, you never just, know. Yeah, 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 or KB or something. Uh, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, but I love it. Uh, Kevin is a wonderful name for a dog, whatever, whatever the reason is. Uh, and I, I mean, guys, like really, like it, it may, I don't know if it's peak content. I feel like I say, you know, sometimes that a lot of things are peak content, but Anthony Rizzo with a dog is about as good as it gets. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not really sure how we're going to top that. Anthony Rizzo with his future children is, is really what might ultimately break the Cubs internet. Uh, but Regardless, it it was still a wonderful sight. So we would be remiss if we didn't spend at least part of this podcast dedicated to our new hero, uh, Kevin Rizzo. So I just assume his middle name is also Vincent, like Anthony. Kevin, Kevin Vincent, Vincent Rizzo. Rizzo. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah, a nice little, little sling to it. Yeah, like it. why not? And Anthony posted on his Instagram story, I think on uh, Sunday night, he was curled up in a blanket. They were watching football together. It's just adorable. That's the kind of content that the world, and especially Cubs Twitter, needs in this trying off season where we're talking about the budget and all this other shit. Again, yeah. we need we needed Kevin Rizzo. He was the hero that we needed. Uh, and when when scumbag Christian Yelich is fucking posting right. about shit about Darvish, and you have Rizzo right. over here posting about Kevin, his new wiener dog. That, well, that, and, that's and the that's, contrast I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's what makes Anthony so amazing is that we get that that you know just shit storm on Friday with Yelich and Darvish, and Rizzo's like. I got this, guys. I'll calm things down. <laughs> Guess what? I got a That's puppy. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Thank God for this. We're, we're, we're back in business. Everybody calm down. We've got wholesome, wonderful content once again. And uh, Tony provided it. There was a shot with Anthony's dad with Kevin. It's, it's just amazing. I, it's I a mean, big deal. Uh, yeah. it, just amazing. A little preview for when some of these guys, uh, some of them have already had kids. Uh, we, you know, we stan AJ Baez, of course, on this podcast. Uh, of course. But... The day that the day that we get the Brizzo children together, Chris and Anthony's kids, uh, I think will be a really special day uh, that I'm already looking forward to. Sometimes we can be wholesome, guys. We're not just all about swearing and cursing and you know fuck Christian Yelich. It's it's a lot of the time that's how it is. But you know, you know I'm just, we're 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 well diverse. We have a yeah, pretty large yeah. spectrum. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we can we can cuss guys out with the best of them but we can also appreciate uh some puppy content when when yeah. we do get it i will i will throw in one last note before we sign off here this is coming hot off the press we have Uh-oh. bruce levine of 670 the score or living i never say that last name right this is why i have trouble with names anyway he said uh the japanese center fielder shogo akiyama mm-hmm. is seeking a three-year deal in the vicinity of 15 million dollars total that is five million dollars per year for a guy who 
that has a high contact rate, a good OBP, 32 years old. I got to say the Darvish-Akiyama connection would be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. That seems like a no-brainer. We'll see what happens, but yeah. I would not be surprised if the Cubs end up doing that. Yeah, I think you'd like, with, with that low of a you know annual value, I think you'd certainly like to see them in the mix. He's a center fielder. We just talked yeah. about that. And it, it's it's always a question of how this stuff translates. The, the, the hitting, and I speak as someone who actually has watched a lot of NPB games, it's it's very different. It's a different style of... of hitting and and just baseball in general. Um, You know, you think of like Ichiro, right? Like he's obviously not a traditional hitter in the Major League Baseball sense. Some some differences there if you watch his game, uh, especially, you know, kind of that like pulling towards first base from the lefties, kind of already getting that jump out of the box when they're putting the ball in play, things like that. So it's always a question as to how those things will translate. But when you have a guy who has demonstrated in Japan the specific skills that you're looking for, right? Like you said, Brennan, high contact, high OBP. Even if some of those numbers take a dip when he comes to America, he still has those skills. Those are the skills that he possesses, and you would think that he can adjust as well. And even if they take a little dip, those are the places you need to improve on. And I think at at five million a year, or you know, if that was somewhere around what it would be, that's one where it's like if they can't be in that conversation for money reasons, that's pretty concerning because that's that's pretty low stakes. Uh, And again, he's at least on the surface offering you improvements in exactly the areas you are trying to improve in. You need more guys on this team that are contact heavy and OBP heavy, guys that can put the ball in play but are swinging at good pitches and will will get on base when the pitcher is not giving them things to put in play. So I, I would at least hope that the Cubs, and they've been connected to him, they've been said to be looking into it and, and considering it, I would hope that that's true and and that this is something that they can make work because all things considered, five million a year, that that really shouldn't put much of a hindrance on anything else they were trying to do. If they were trying to make bigger changes, you should be able to work around that, right, and find that money somewhere, uh, even if Tom Ricketts has to go looking through the couch cushions for you know some extra quarters or something like that. But regardless. It's something to keep an eye on. It's a name that the Cubs are connected to. And, you know, again, certainly at that price, while other teams may be playing in the pool with Anthony Rendon and Garrett Cole and talking about $300 million contracts, this is a much more, I think, feasible and and practical solution for the Cubs to at least one of their issues. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, and I, I think with that, that's that's about all we have. So Again, as usual, we will keep you guys up to date on the schedule. We're heading into holiday season, so, uh, you know, at least we, we should be back every Tuesday unless big things go on with the Cubs. But obviously, as we head towards the holidays here, uh, you know, just be flexible with us a little bit. This is really the only time of year where, depending on where certain things fall, etc., it's a little easier to move the schedule around. But just plan on Tuesdays, and obviously we will let you guys know. As I said at the beginning, we will be back to the family-friendly version of this podcast uh, for the rest of the episodes, unless we uh, know. announce otherwise. And for those of you that prefer it like this, uh, we could, I guess, talk about ways to do this more often or maybe in a, a, a different feed platform. I don't know. We can talk about that. But for for me, and I, and I believe Brendan— 
the one is accessible to everybody, one isn't. So we're going to go with the one that's accessible to everybody. I love letting it rip and, and cursing every now and again, but some people aren't here for it. So I think those of you that enjoy us cursing and, and letting it letting it go, I think you can also listen to the family-friendly version, but it doesn't really work the other way around. Uh, and we do have, you know, we've heard from younger listeners and stuff like that. So it's, I think, better for us to be accessible to everybody. And if there's really that demand for Brendan and I to get on and you know, say things like fuck Christian Yelich. Uh, more it. often, we can perhaps find a way and, and an avenue to do that. But uh, for now, we're going to keep them sparing and with some advance warning. Uh, but hopefully that is amenable to everybody. But you're free to curse at us on Twitter if you have a problem with I, any any of our decisions or opinions. Uh, there is no filter there. So anyway, we thank you guys for joining us as always and indulging another explicit episode hope it was enjoyable for everybody uh again apologies we read a lot of the tweets if we missed some we apologize tried to you know get as many in as we could but we thank you guys for your participation that was really funny uh reading through all of those so we thank you guys for that we thank you guys for listening and whether we are screaming at the top of our lungs that christian yelich can go fuck himself we will always no matter what not end the podcast with that, but we will end the podcast with Go Cubs. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular. I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.